So precious Lord Jesus, as we sit here this morning, just talking about being forgiven, we thank you that we are forgiven. And we pray, Jesus, that you will, in a mighty way, show up here this morning and speak to each one of our hearts. We're covering a heavy topic, Lord. Not an easy topic at all. And God, I pray that you would um, allow us to hear exactly what you need us to hear this morning. Help us to be a people who can admit when we're wrong, who can seek forgiveness. But God, help us also to people who can be people who can offer forgiveness. And so, Lord, speak to us through this passage as it is a recipe for forgiveness. It's in your name we pray. Amen. You know, sometimes we have these really cool accidents that will happen here at the church. And I think us showing that, that Paul Tripp video with the sermon that we have today was one of those really cool accidents. I know as I saw that in the first service, I was convicted in my heart um, as to the way I love my wife. And do, I, do I, I pledge to love her more than I love myself, but do I really? And I want to challenge you, church, um, whether you're single or married, I think it's, it's incredible for us to really take a look at ourselves and to ask the question, do we truly love others, uh, the loved ones we even say, do we love others more than we love ourselves? And I think, I think as a church it would be fantastic if all of you go to this conference because it is going to be a fantastic conference. And I'll be honest, married couples, you, you know what I'm talking about, sometimes marriage can feel like a war. And it's funny because we do the damage to ourselves and I think as men and women of God, as we've been talking about what it looks like for us to love one another, I think we really need to take proactive steps into making sure that we're communicating and loving in the way that we need to love. In marriage, sometimes we have to forgive one another, right? We don't always seem to get it right. In everyday life, we have to forgive one another. But it's, simple, it's easy to stand up here for me and just talk about forgiveness, but forgiveness can be really, really hard, right? Some of you guys are laughing because you had that fight on the way to the church, right? Oh, there's a lot of laughter there. But this morning, we're looking at, at uh, Ephesians 4.17, which re- it talks about living as children of the light, and this really does lay out a recipe for us of how to be forgiving. And I'm going to tell you something. There was a point in my life uh, when, when I, I was in college, I was studying to be a pastor, and my relationship with God was going so well. I, I felt like, like me and God, we were firing on all cylinders, and then all of a sudden there just came this period of time where, where it just seemed like God wasn't responding to me anymore. It didn't seem like, like God even cared anymore. And the reality of it was it actually wasn't God at all. It was all me. Because when, when we're commanded to do things in Scriptures... The scriptures, we need to do them because God knows what he's talking about. See, I come from a very broken, uh, battered, brutal childhood. Alcoholic, abusive father who bailed out on us. Terrible circumstances. And in my heart, I knew that I did nothing wrong. And in my heart, I knew that I was allowed to have a righteous anger because after all, Jesus went in the temple and he flipped over tables. He was okay. And so my dad was a horrible person, and, and, and I was right to be angry. And you know what? I'm going to be nothing like that, and I'm going to pursue God. And, and so in my heart, I have all this anger and all this bitterness and all this rage. And the reality of it was I had never even begun to think about forgiving that man for what he did to our family. 
And I'm so thankful for the godly counsel I had in my life because the reality of it was, was my relationship with God hit a plateau. It hit a spot that I wasn't allowing myself to go any deeper with God because the scripture tells us if you hate someone in your heart, you might as well murder them. And to be honest with you, even though I was in a church, being a pastor, studying to be a pastor, I hated my dad. I hated him. And there was no way. Who in the right mind would ever come to me and say, you have to forgive that man? Well, Jesus would. And God would. And the Holy Spirit would. And I'm so thankful for the counseling that I got. I talked to counselors and people who really helped me figure out what was going on in my life. And the reality of it was, is I was not able to be a compassionate human being. I was not able to be kind. I was getting grumpy. My, my mood changed because I was not being forgiven. Forgiving. <laughs> the reality of it is, is we're all forgiven. When Christ died on the cross, He forgave us. As we repented a couple of minutes ago and we had that moment of silent prayer, it feels so good to be forgiven. Amen? When we really screw up and someone looks at us, they have every right to be mad at us, and they say to us, you're forgiven. The concept of redemption, that word, comes from the Roman Empire when when slaves were bought out of slavery. They were considered redeemed, set free from their bondage. And as we've been talking about the past couple of weeks, we've been talking about how we're called to do two things in this world by God. We're called to, come on, don't drop the ball again this week, love and love God and love others. And if we're truly going to love God and we're truly going to love others, then we have got to be a people who are forgiving. Because if you're not a forgiving person, as I was not, somebody said this to me and it floored me. They said, you're giving yourself this kind of spiritual promotion because you're no better than Jesus and he's willing to forgive you, but you're telling me you're not willing to forgive somebody else who has done far less to you than what you've done to Christ. Ow. That's powerful. That rocked my world. Then you look in the scriptures, and you've got all these stories of forgiveness. And I'm just going to cover one today. When we look at the life of Joseph and the Technicolor Amazing Dream Code or whatever, you guys, just so you know the story I'm talking about. You've got this guy, Joseph, who, who really wasn't doing anything wrong. And this is found in Genesis chapter 37 through chapter 47. It's a very long story, so you're going to get the JBK version this morning, the James B. Kendrew uh, version this morning. And so what happens is, is Joseph is, is this man. He loves God. He has the blessing of his father. He's that sibling, then some of you have that sibling, that it seems like no matter what they do, it turns to gold. It seems like no matter what they do... They're right. Even in their mistakes, somehow, they seem like they're right. If you watch Duck Dynasty, there's a, there's a brother on there. His name's Jep. He's the guy that's just like Joseph. No matter what this guy does, it's aw. And so he's got all these brothers, and they've just had it with them. And so Joseph is sent by his family. He said, they say, go take this care package to your brothers. They're in the field working And they're tending to the sheep. Take this care package to your brothers. And so he goes out to the field and he takes this care package to his brothers. And when when they see him coming, they they conspire to kill him because they've had it with this guy. They're done. 
And there's one brother whose name's Reuben who says, wait, guys, we, we can't do that. We, you know, we're in a desert. Why don't we just throw him in a hole? We'll leave him to die in the hole. And Reuben in his heart is thinking, we can't kill our brother. And so what we'll do, I'll, I'll come back and I'll let him out later. And so Reuben goes on his way. He shows up. They, they throw him in a hole. And then the brothers get this idea. If you have brothers, you know what I'm talking about. When you're with your brothers, stupidity happens, right? <laughs> and so what happens is, is they're standing there with their brothers, and they go, you know what? We don't really want to leave him out in the wilderness and kill him. We could probably make a few bucks. They see a group of Midianite and Ishmaelite uh, vendors in a caravan coming down, so they sell their brother Joseph to these guys into slavery. Now, from our perspective... He has every right in the world to be a little bit angry at his brothers, does he not? We would not say a word to this guy if he didn't forgive these guys. He's sold into slavery. While into slavery, he's put into the house of Potiphar, uh, one of the officials of the Pharaoh. Let's just say it this way. Potiphar's wife was not what we would call... Um, well, she was a bad girl. <laughs> And, and Joseph was easy on the eyes. And so when you have that combination, bad stuff happens. And so Joseph's in an environment where she's with him alone. And don't ever be alone. with You just you have accountability. And so he's standing there doing his job. And she says, hey, Joseph, why don't you come over here and hang out with me? She didn't mean hang out at all. And Joseph knew this. And so being a man of character, it says in the Bible that he actually ran. All right? When sin walks up on you people, run from it. He ran away. She was angry and embarrassed, and she really wanted to spend some time with Joseph. So what she did then is accused him of rape, of forcing himself upon her. And he was thrown into prison. Now, not a single one of us in this room would find any reason why, if he was upset about this, we would say, that's right, man, you don't, she wronged you. He's then released out of prison through a miraculous thing. He then finds himself over all of Egypt. He is like the governor of Egypt. And who shows up at his doorstep but those punk brothers who sold him into slavery? And not only do they show up on his doorstep just there, they show up in need. Now, in our human nature, we would say, not a single one of us would go, oh, you should just forgive them and make up. Because we would love to see them get theirs. But see, Joseph was different. Because Joseph understood something that it took me a very long time to come to grips with. That God has a plan. And all throughout his life, when he had these crossroads, he could either become bitter, angry, annoyed, or he can forgive and move on. And all throughout his life, he chose to forgive. And that moment when his brothers showed up on his doorstep, he could have had their heads. He was the man. He was the governing official. And instead of having their heads, he does what every good brother does. He played a trick on them. <laughs> he tricked one of them into this moment where, where he put a, a silver cup in one of their bags and said, you stole from me. And what he did was, in a, in a long drama, is he brought the whole family before him and he revealed himself to them, saying, I am Joseph, your lost brother. And they're, and they're probably having the moment that we would have if we were in that situation, like, oh my goodness, I am in trouble. But he says this to them, 
Do not despair. Because God has taken what you have done to me and he has used it to glorify himself. All is forgiven. What a beautiful story. It's a lot better when you read it in the Bible. So I encourage you to do that for some homework this week. Forgiveness was illustrated for us by Christ. It has been illustrated all throughout scriptures. And if we are serious about wanting to love God by loving others, if we want to be kind and compassionate people, we first must be people who can forgive. Now I sit up here and I look at all the faces and I realize that some of you have some things that need to be forgiven. Some of you have some serious things that have been done to you that you need to forgive. And those aren't little things. I'm talking about everything from murder to the grossest of gross of sins. That when we in our lives do not offer forgiveness, we are allowing ourselves to be slaves to sin. God wants us to be freed from that. The Word of God tells us in the book of Psalms that when we ask for forgiveness of our sins, He takes them and He throws them as far as the east is to the west. They never meet. They're gone forever. God forgives us. And sometimes we hold on to these things or or we hold on to bitterness and anger towards people. And the reality of it is, is when we hold on to bitterness, when we hold on to anger, when we can't forgive someone, we're inviting Satan to have a foothold in our life. I want you to hear me. When we're called to forgive people, we're not called to be suckers. We're not called to return to the grossness. For some of you, offering forgiveness to somebody may be saying, like I had to say to my dad, I forgive you. If you want a relationship with me, fantastic. But I am not going to pursue one. God has liberated me from you. And I believe in my heart of heart that that is okay. That that is the only way on this earth that I could have ever honored my father. And I'm going to tell you right now, after a lot of counsel and a lot of prayer and people pouring into me, I was able to release that And my relationship with God took off. It flourished. I felt free. There was a weight about me. I I, I could breathe differently. I can't explain it to you. Maybe you've experienced that. But we are called to be children of light. And as we look at Ephesians 4.17, God is giving us a recipe to let go of the bitterness, to let go of the anger, to let go of the very real pain that people have caused you Isn't it time that that thing that has haunted you goes away? Because when Jesus died on the cross, he said, I die for your sins, I die for your burdens. He didn't want us to take them back off the cross and put them back on. God wants us to be freed from these things. And the only person holding on to them is us. When we look at the book of Ephesians, we see a place. It's in modern day Turkey is where Ephesus is. Ephesus was a town where you had all kinds of people from all over. It was like Cranberry Township. All roads kind of went to Ephesus. And everybody came through Ephesus. 
You had people speaking all kinds of different languages. And so what's happening is, is you have two major groups there. Yet again, they're fighting. It's the Christians who are Jewish, and it's the Christians who are Gentiles. And so everybody on the outside, as we've been talking about loving one another, is watching the way that they bite each other and devour each other, and they're unforgiving to one another. And so Paul continues to write to them in this letter. And I'm going to read this to you because it's really good. And some of this just teaches itself. So we're not going to go over everything. But just follow along with me in Ephesians 4, 17. These are a people that needed to stop running their mouth. And they start, needed to start loving one another. He says, So I tell you and insist on, the, on, on it in the Lord. You must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. Now, as a Gentile, I go, that's offensive. <laughs> I do not futilistically think. I don't even know if that's a word. It is now. And so as I studied the scripture, I thought, what is the futility of their thinking? And as I, and as I studied my commentaries and things, what it said was is there was the mindset among the Gentiles that there really was no goal. There was no point to life other than have food for today and fun for tonight. The modern day Haiti is living in that mindset right now of you take care of yourself today because you may not have tomorrow. And you have seen what it's done to that nation. It has devoured itself. And so this is the mindset of the Gentile in this time period that he's talking about. It's earning money with no point. It's, it's ha- trying to have as much as you can with no goal. The goal in life is for us to love God and to love others. It's our purpose. Our purpose is to glorify God. And what Paul is saying to these people is you're living like you have no purpose, but you have a purpose. He says they are darkened in their understanding and separated from their life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardening of their hearts. When you are unforgiving, your heart will harden. I'm telling you from experience. It is a cancer in people. It is a cancer in Christians Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity with a continual lust for more. Remember we talked about that void that we have when we pursue the things of the flesh? There's this void that will never be filled, but when you pursue God, He will make you complete. He's reiterating that here. You, however, did not come to know Christ this way. Surely you heard of Him and were taught in Him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. The truth that in Jesus is that he died for our sins and he rose again on the third day. The truth is is that we have life because of Christ's forgiveness. Let me continue here. You were taught with regard to your former way of life and put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to his neighbor. For we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. How many of you guys have ever had a moment where you have sinned in anger? <laughs> you know, it's really amazing about this portion of scriptures. It's talking a lot about verbal language, the way we treat one another. And isn't it amazing how in our anger, in those moments of heated passion, when we, we've been wronged or we're upset, 
we end up saying things that we later regret, right? He's telling us, don't do that. If you need a moment to step away, do that. I am terrible at that, and I'm working on that. But do that, because it goes on to say this. You must put off falsehood. Do not let the sun go down on your anger while you are still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. He's saying, in your anger, do not sin. If you need to take a minute and you need to cool down, then do that. But you need to deal with the problem because if you don't deal with the problem, you're letting the sun go down on your anger. It doesn't sometimes literally mean that if you don't have a problem resolved by 1159, you're in trouble. But what it means is, is sometimes, I know my wife and I are this way, she needs time to deal with problems and I want to deal with them right now. We have to find a balance there. There's got to be a godly balance and the godly balance is don't sin in your anger but don't run from the problem either. And as believers, we've got to confront issues when they come head on. We've got to deal with these things. Maybe you need a couple hours. Maybe you need a day. But you need to deal with the issues in your life. Don't give the devil a foothold. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood. Speak truthfully. I read that part already. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. He who has been stealing must steal no longer. That's pretty blunt. But most, uh, but must work doing something useful with his hands that may have something to share with those in needs. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. But always what is helpful for building others up according to their needs. Do you think if you were to look back at the conversations you have in a week, you could honestly say, everything I've said is building people up. My prayer is that you can. But as children of light, as believers in Christ, we are called to be obedient in this way. We are called to be obedient, to be truthful with the things that we say. And we're called to lift one another up. We're called to speak truth. And sometimes speaking the truth is like Jesus going in the temple and telling them, hey, you guys are wrong. But we need to speak truth, not exaggerate and not lie. I remember as a little kid when I would get in trouble with, with my sister or my brother, I would always fabricate a little bit the details. And the truth is, as adults, we still do that. When we make bold, sweeping statements like, everybody hates me, and things like that. Because the truth of the matter is, is sometimes when one person says something to us, we think everybody thinks that, and it's not necessarily true. Let's continue on. Only what is helpful for building up others, others that it may benefit those who listens. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Do you know what grieving the Spirit of God is? In all of my studies and commentaries, grieving the Holy Spirit of God means that you are in rebellion to God. And I'm going to tell you right now, the way that I was living with the unforgiving heart that I had and sometimes still have, I'm grieving God. Because I'm commanded to be obedient to my calling. I'm commanded to be obedient to God. And, and part of that is I am called to forgive just as Christ forgave me. And sometimes I let bitterness and anger sweep in instead. And that's not good. And I believe the Holy Spirit is grieved in those moments. It says, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, and slander. 
Now, as I'm reading that, I'm thinking to myself, you've got this whole entire section that talks about verbally arguing with somebody, and now we're talking about kung fu fighting and the word brawling. And I understand that sometimes we get into heated discussions with one another, but I think a lot of times as adults, we don't really go to, to blows. And so I started studying that word brawling and what it actually means, and this is going to hurt for some of us, it actually means yelling. That when we're angry and when we're dealing with stuff, that we shouldn't be yelling at one another. And sometimes we really easily can lose sight of that and begin to do damage with our words. And in our anger, we begin to sin. I'm not telling you that it's, that it's wrong to be passionate about something. I'm a hockey coach. When I get going, I get going, and I'm, I'm yelling and screaming. And, but the heart and the attitude is so important here. And if we're sinning in anger and we're yelling and we're slandering, it's just continuing to feed that monster of unforgiveness. It goes on to say this in the last verse, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as Christ, God, in Christ God forgave you. It would have been very easy for Joseph to speak truth about his brothers and be unforgiving. But he recognized that God had a plan for his life. That God had a plan for the tribes of Judah. And I'm going to tell you right now, the person in your life that you're not forgiving, God has a plan for them. And the reality of it is, is that yoke of slavery that you've pinned yourself to, you're hurting yourself more than you're hurting that other person. You're not accountable for what that person has done. You're accountable for what you have done. And we're called to not be people who are angry. We're called to not be bitter. We're called not to slander, to not have hate. We are called to love God and to love others. And I'm going to tell you right now, when it comes to forgiveness, that is really hard. Close your eyes. I think for some of you, that person you need to forgive may be sitting right next to you. For some of you, that person you need to ask forgiveness from may be sitting right next to you. But for every single one of us in this room, regardless of where you're at, something right now is on your heart that God has put there. And he wants you to deal with it. He wants you to release it. And he wants you to heal from it. Our sinful nature tells us that we can't let go of that, that, that it's my right, that I deserve to be angry. I have every right to be angry. And you know what? Maybe you do. But we had no right to heaven. We don't deserve the gift of eternity. And I'm going to tell you, we deserve hell. But God said, I love you anyway. And we're commanded by God to love people. And we're commanded by God to let go of these things. We're commanded by God to forgive. And for some of you, that is going to be really hard. And for some of you, that doesn't necessarily mean going right back to that person and being their best friend. For some of you, that's closing a chapter in a book. But for some of you, you need to go home and have that conversation with your parents where you heal, with your children with a neighbor, with a co-worker, 
with somebody you went to high school with 20 years ago. There's something grieving your heart that is grieving the Holy Spirit. My challenge to you as a church this morning, if we're serious about following Christ, then we need to let go. We need to forgive. We need to be humble enough to ask for forgiveness because the reality of it is, is we're not always right. So I want you to take a moment now and I want you to pray. I want you to pray for, for God to give you the strength ask for forgiveness. Or I want you to pray for God to give you the strength to forgive. Because in order for us to be compassionate and care about people and to be able to be kind, we've got to let go of the anger. We've got to let go of the bitterness. Because God wants your relationship with Him to go so much further than it is. And you are the only one holding yourself back. So take a moment and pray. Lord Jesus, forgive us where we have fallen short, for we all have. You've called us to love you and to love others, and we want to do that, God. But if there is something in our heart holding us back, the way we speak about one another, the way we speak to one another, or just the fact that we can't forgive one another, I pray right now, God, you would release us. Pray, God, that you would give us the strength to have a very hard conversation. And then you would bring healing in this place. In Joseph's life, he was able to forgive in such a beautiful way. And you used that story to change eternity. So God, we pray that you will work in our hearts and that you will work in our lives. Help us to be people of love. Help us to be children of light. That light is the truth of Jesus. And help us to put aside the bitterness, anger, rage, the brawling, the slander. And help us to forgive others. Help us to ask for forgiveness. And help us to forgive ourselves, God. That's, that's rough. We thank you that your grace and mercies are made new every day and that you love us as much now as you ever will, as you ever have, and that nothing we do makes you love us anymore. But you picked us. You chose us. You called us. And it's only by your grace and mercy that we have even the air to breathe. We thank you, God, and we love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.